0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered
1: through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. We are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. Big show coming your way today. we got our buddy Paul Moyer joining us at 3 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, it is the debut of the John Schneider Show. Looking forward to speaking with the Seahawks GM every Thursday at 4 o'clock between now and day one of the NFL draft, so about 10 weeks have with the gm we're going to get to know him you're all going to get to know him and love him by the end of this it'll be like you got a brand new best friend <laughs> how about that and then of course everybody's best friend john morosi will join yes. us at five o'clock today so lots of good stuff this hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckle Shoot casino so yeah we're, we're excited about that weird to be back in this little room and no reporters outside no no uh parking attendants out front it's Building's kind of quiet right now. Yeah,
0: it is very quiet. And uh, also, we got the Seahawks just being great hosts coming down asking us if we want anything. Can yeah. Bob, Bob ask for a steak, medium rare? Yeah, I don't think that's coming. <laughs> you know.
1: I, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they have the best food up there. I know. They, Why can't we do the show from up there? I know. Can we like, move all this gear up to the kitchen? Oh, well, we'd lose Lefko, first <laughs> yeah, of all. Well, he's luckily he, not here, he would be rendered useless. <laughs> He'd just so. be surrounded by wrappers and crumbs laying on his back. <laughs> but I got a stomachache.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, outside of Moyer, it's really a solid uh, <laughs> list of guests here. <laughs> and,
1: uh, we he, love Dave, Paul Moyer. Dave said it, Paul. I didn't. I love you, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a pack. I mean, this is as good as it's been as far as, uh, you know, our, our favorites go. So, yeah, Morosi, Moyer, Schneider good deal and we're gonna yeah like you said 10 more weeks i mean it doesn't seem that seems so far away you know that up to the draft is you know how long we're gonna have him here but uh yeah it's it's always exciting and you know you never know what's what he's thinking so that'll maybe we'll get a little bit of a you know a, a clue there but um yeah nothing we we can't ask him yeah so don't text in and ask who who they're going to draft and things like that we but, can
1: ask he's just not going to answer yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a waste of everybody's time he's not going to divulge their their game plan for anybody or the money they're going to spend or how much he's going to pay Gino there that those kind of questions won't be answered so right. we won't waste everybody's time with those uh, meanwhile we we did get into the baseball rules yesterday and and just sort of talking them through and you know what which are you excited to see which are going to have a big impact as far as the impact none, nobody seems to know even the players I think are kind of guessing and they'll figure it out during spring training but uh, wanted to play some sound from from guys just commenting on it like the pitch clock obviously pitchers are going to be looking at this situation and Paul Seawald who was a guest on uh, Bump and Stacey's show yesterday talked about the the pitch clock and being for him individually could be a big adjustment
2: for me it's something that i'm gonna have to work on a lot in spring training because you know i was one of the slower ones on our team gonna have to shave down that time by about six seconds so i think it's just gonna come second nature i'll just have to fix a little bit of my routine figure out what's necessary what's what's not necessary me and Kyle are gonna have to work quick on the pitch call and we'll be fine come game time but it is something that i'm probably gonna have to work on in spring training games for sure
0: So I'll be interested to see if Paul Seawald shoots his arms up to the sky like he always does. Yeah, he'll just do it real quickly. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) he's just got to go faster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same thing with uh, Diego Castillo.
1: I think he's going to have the biggest adjustment, and we joke about his routine. But in all seriousness, I've never timed it. I don't know how long he takes, but he does adjust each pant leg, each sleeve, takes the mitt off, bends it. Just the hat. There's a lot that goes into his routine before every pitch and when nobody's on base. So, uh, you know, and that's that's baseball players are so superstitious and they're such creatures of habit and, mm-hmm. you know, doing the same thing. the little rituals. Yeah. So you wonder how much does that throw somebody off? And that's that's his thing. You know, it's right. it's it is a curiosity, but it's, it works for him. How much does that alter what he does? Does everybody just do what they've always done, just faster? Just faster. Or do they eliminate
0: something? I would think they'd have to cut it out, you know, some of the things. Diego Castillo, I mean, he'd look like a madman out there if he was doing it real fast. He'd look like a
1: third base coach doing signs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was funny because we had Seawald on last year, and we we mentioned Castillo, and he's like, we all have our things. Yeah. And, you know, he's one of them. He's one of them that's probably going to have to. We said six seconds he'd have to take off. Wow. Yeah, that, that's that got to be, you know, and that's that's a big deal. I mean, I think that part of it and just the mentality, you know, we were talking about the throws over to first yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, those kinds of things, you're going to have to be able to deal with that stuff. And good, luckily, they have spring training. Can you imagine if this was a lockout year? And, oh. you know, I, I, I would imagine that Major League Baseball would probably say, okay, we're going to. Put this put it on Yeah, yeah. But um, I was listening to a really good interview Bump and Stacy had on Pete Woodworth, and one of the guys he talked about. First of all, he said just in general, our staff works pretty fast, so you know it's it's not like uh, a huge problem. But one of the things he said was Kirby. He said when George Kirby, when there's somebody on base. He said something about little baby steps that he takes. He takes like four or five or six little baby steps when there's somebody on base, which mm. obviously have not noticed that, but, you know, we'll have to look out for that. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, you, you get into a rich Like you said before, they're very ritualistic, and now all of a sudden this thing has to change. And for pitchers, I would think that that's, that's really going to be, a big deal as far as the the mentality goes, and you hope that uh, it's kind of like in the preseason of the NFL you hope to get all your you know all your uh, mistakes out of the way yeah. and you know what you can and can't do and kind of get an idea of that before the regular season so hopefully uh, spring will give them that opportunity
1: it should be interesting in spring and and just seeing how How often guys violate the rules if they take too long? Oh, there's a ball added to the count, or there's a you know the pickoff moves. Maybe they forget. I can only I've got to get them on the third one, and if I you know, it's just everybody's going to be figuring it out in the heat of the moment. Maybe they're getting caught up in the game during spring training, or they get caught up in you know I'm focused on working on my cutter or my changeup or whatever they're doing, and maybe they kind of forget. Oh yeah, pitch clock. Oh yeah, I can only throw over there Mm -hmm. a couple times. So it's it's going to be. It'll be interesting to watch. and Maybe, maybe it'll, it'll be subtle. Maybe it won't be as obvious as we think it'll be. Or, you know, for some pitchers, they, they get the ball and they throw it. So some guys, it's going to be, yeah, it doesn't alter my life at all. Right. Diego Castillo and Paul Seawald by his own, his own words. Yeah, I would, I, I would think it's going to be quite a change. Six seconds doesn't sound like much. Uh. But, it, but it is in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about shaving that. You've got that much less time to deliver that ball. Well, and I hope that Major League Baseball, I'm sure
0: that that they're not trying to make it something that's ridiculous, you know, because they're trying to make this the games faster. No, they want it ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, you know, if they have to take time out to enforce all the penalties and things like that and explain that, you know, and you're going to have to pay attention, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, you're just kind of casually watching a game and wait, I thought he had two balls. And now all of a sudden it's, it's, you yeah. know, three and I'm like, Oh, like how the do you, runner on second, like the runner on second. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hey, wait, how do you get that? He missed that. So yeah, we'll, uh, it will be, uh, interesting. I was listening to, uh, gosh, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about how much, I think it was Raj was saying how much, um, Goldie loves the, the thought, the notion of the immaculate inning. Yeah. And if it somehow gets interrupted by one of these <laughs> things that he's just going to lose it. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, uh, I just wonder about, the psychology of that and, like, the mentality of, you know, it's not so much the mechanics of going faster. It's more about how the pitchers process information and sort of their little rituals that they go through. If they're not able to get to that, you know, maybe it's going to be a problem for, for somebody. But you know what? <laughs> if that's the case, then, you know, they're throwing bad pitches, maybe more offense, <laughs> you know, Yeah. That maybe the batters are going to benefit from that.
1: Well, that's what makes it so exciting is we don't know you don't really have any idea what it's going to look like or how big of a deal it is. Or maybe we all get to the regular season and are going, everything looks the same. And there haven't been many, if any, of these penalties called, you know, the, where somebody's violated the pitch clock or somebody's violated the shift or the pickoff. Maybe, maybe they'll have it completely dialed in and it really won't be that obvious, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe the scorekeepers will have the people that run the electronic scoreboard will have a hard time mm-hmm. keeping up if, you know, Hey, that's a ball added to the count. Oh, wait, what? You know, or I don't. What's that? What are the mechanics of that going to be like? Is there going to be, you know, somebody somebody on the field making sure the guy up there controlling the scoreboard is is on the ball and paying attention that hey, this guy just violated the pitch clock, so now the the ball has been added to the count here. I don't know. It's gonna. It's there's there's a lot of a lot of aspects to it that that we. You can guess on, but until we see it, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting conversation. But uh,
0: yeah, and I wonder if like the the in that case that you were just uh, talking about the scenario where they add an extra ball or whatever, are they going to signal to everybody to kind of let them know, yeah. you know, or do they just go, nope, that's a violation? And yeah, make maybe it real it's,
1: subtle. I don't know if maybe the scorekeeper up there has, has got some sort of device hooked up to the ump, and the ump say, hey, add a ball to the counter. At a strike or whatever's going, I don't know, or maybe it is a big giant. They'll have the the you know those glowing sticks that if you bring in airplanes with. They'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> something like that, but uh,
0: yeah, and then you know they're going to be probably elicit some booze from the crowd. Yeah, or, it'll
1: know. be something for people to complain about, or they'll be yeah. they'll be watching the pick, pitch clock like you do the play clock in the NFL. Yeah, get the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball. He didn't get that off in Time they yeah. didn't call it. Yeah. You know, yeah, they'll be. How could you not get to that point?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And, and you'll all love it because it's more to complain about with the officials. <laughs>
1: Why do you like complaining? I mean, the so umpires,
0: much? I should say. Uh, yeah, Why do you find so I much know, joy man. in complaining. I don't. Know. I don't like it in, in <laughs> football, but baseball. Yeah, I'm like, what is this guy blind? You got to be kidding me! You can't. You, that's that's not a strike. You know, just
1: I don't know. There's something about that that I really love. Well, think about that. That could be a new storyline in in like recaps of games like yeah well that, that was a huge miss by the ump he didn't call him you know pitch clock had expired he didn't call it guy came up with a, a double game winning double in that scenario it should have been a strike or it should have been another, or whatever there's you know that's going to be a point of contention much like the play clock yeah if they would have thrown look at it we always get the still shots you know people will post a still shot where the clock says zero in the in the quarterback still got his hands out waiting for the snap of the ball, but they didn't call it and on that play he threw a touchdown and it's a point of contention. I could I could easily see that in baseball. What about the stat heads too? Are they gonna keep separate
0: like if a pitcher gets a bunch of violations and gets balls added on to his account his his count, is that going to be something that they keep track of new category separately?
1: Yeah, they yeah. have to, right? That's gotta be a new category. Yeah. This is a guy who has X amount of violations per nine innings. Or this is a guy who has this many violations with runners on. Or, yeah, there's the, you're, gonna, you're coming up with new categories now.
0: What are the chances that I bring that up to Brandon, son of Augustafson, and he says, I hadn't thought about that? I'd say very low. I was listening to, to I, I think even if he hadn't thought of it, he'd say, nah, yeah, I thought of it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. That yeah. sounds like something Lefko might do. No, I'm kidding, Mike. <laughs> I had it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Been thinking about this for months. No, I knew that. I knew that before. Uh, but yeah, no, I was listening to "Son of Augustus." and I went in there. I was like, "Is there anything you don't know about baseball?" Holy smokes! So, but um, but yeah, I, I wonder if the stat keepers are going to. Gonna do uh, do something different for that. It should it shouldn't go on. I mean it it doesn't really portray your accuracy. And if you have a bunch of them, I think it'd have to have probably have a lot to a lot of violations to you know affect his ERA. Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's we're all gonna or find his, out together. It's whip his whip <laughs> yeah. whip. Um, the other thing, the bigger bases that that one that one to me is the one I'm I'm least certain of or least. I've got no idea what that's going to look like. The shift, you've got to – we we all watch baseball for years without the shift. You have an idea of what that's going to look like. The pitch clock, it's pretty easy to imagine people speeding up a bit and, you know, we're all talking it through in terms of violations and things like that. The bigger bases, is that something we're going to notice at all? I mean, maybe visually we'll look – I don't even know if visually. We, you notice it – the video I showed you yesterday where they took the old base and put it on top of the new base, you can see, yeah, it's bigger – but when you've got three of them out there, it's. It, I think it's just going to look like any other game. I don't think we're going to go, wow, look at those giant pizza boxes they've got yeah. out there at first, second, and third. And, you know, maybe we'll see more stealing, you know, more, more attempts. I don't know. But it, that, to me, I feel like will be the most subtle just in terms of what we're seeing as a fan at home. Yeah. Well, real quick, before we get
0: into to Dave Canales, I, I would say, first of all, it looks like the difference between a medium pizza box and a large yeah. pizza box. But how many times have we seen where the, you know, the the runner is just out by, yeah. A, yeah. you know, just a slight amount? It, probably not that much, but... I don't know it'll uh I, I just uh, every time I think about that the bigger base I think of Julio
1: well here Sam Haggerty he was he was on the hot stove show another guy with some speed out there and here he is just talking about looking forward
2: to more opportunities to steal bases now I've been trying to to strategize in my head how how it may play out you know with with less pickoffs you know you're gonna probably have more of opportunities to to trust yourself and make a break um and then you'll have larger bases which you know, may make it a little easier to slide and, and avoid a tag. And, you know, all, all sorts of those little things um, um, I look into and, and I'll factor into to trying to steal second base or third base.
1: Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be interesting. And, and maybe it's, you know, it does change the strategy in terms of the way they slide. They're going to slide to the outside of the base to avoid that tag. There's more of the base to, to reach and grab in that scenario. Um, yeah, but that's the one that, that I'm – I have the least clarity on in terms of what I expect to see from it. Well, it's the most simple change,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just bigger. There's not going to be any, you know, uh, clock or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what the difference uh, is there. I don't know. The way I've always thought about how they steal bases, it's so based on how quickly the pitch, I mean, it starts with the pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it all breaks down to just a split second or sometimes inches. And we're talking about – what, three extra inches from, you know, from one uh, base, uh, first base down to, to second and second to third?
1: Uh, one more from Sam talking about just, you know, everybody's going to have to, they're going to have to learn and how people adapt to all of these changes out there.
2: You'll have your, your stuff you will test out as a player, but it will just be interesting to see how, you know, coaches, teams, players, how everyone sort of adapts to the the, the new normal, and, and that will be real Real interesting and fun to watch and, and the things I'll be paying attention to, you know, how, how pitching pitchers are picking off, how coaches are calling the running game, you know, various things like that will be real real interesting to see. Yeah. He's as in the dark as the rest
1: of us. They're all kind of like, Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but we'll all see we'll all find out together. So that's gonna be fun seeing all those different changes. Meanwhile, in the world of football specifically here with the Seattle Seahawks, where you are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. And somebody we won't see around here anymore is Dave Canales, quarterback coach, is now the new offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had been with the Seahawks for the entire uh, Pete Carroll era, had been here 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what It's hard to tell you, and he's, he's not always been the quarterback coach. So he's he's had different different positions, uh, different positions, uh, Responsibilities in his tenure yeah he was here. a receiver coach for a while yeah but uh, do we do we overestimate his impact underestimate his impact how big of a deal is this
0: well since he's living Bob we're going to underestimate it okay <laughs> <laughs> Gino's going to be fine without if they do have Gino no I think he's he's a big part of it I mean I, that's your coach that you're with all the time so I'm I'm sure that you know I just think overall Pete kind of. In general, sort of manages that, and we'll ask we'll ask John. You know how how big of a deal that is. I, I, the one thing I don't they don't ever get raw about somebody leaving. I think that's exactly what Pete wants. Yeah, he wants guys to come into his system and then get opportunities to sometime be either you know a move up to offensive coordinator or you know going to uh, that's a challenge for him, man, going to Tampa Bay, right? I mean, yeah. you know, without, uh, without Tom Brady there, it'll be interesting to see what uh, somebody texted in and said, oh, Gino's going to Tampa Bay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, not about like, I do not necessarily that. draw that conclusion. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's an interesting move, and, and hey, congrats to him. You know, 13 years as, as, you know, different. You talked about receivers coach, quarterback coach. Now he's, now he's in charge of the whole thing on the offensive side. He's the offensive coordinator. So good for him, and, and I'll pull for him out there. Hopefully he does well. You know, we'll we'll see who he's working with at that spot, but yeah, it's. Uh, I saw that he he sent out a tweet. You know, thanking Seattle and and you know I'm excited about Tampa Bay and you know looking forward to this challenge. And Gino, he liked it. You know, so seems like everybody's in in support of it. It's just a for for a name that you've heard around here for a long time, moving on to a different situation in a year where you're. You know, he's attached to the quarterback who may or may not be here. We're not we're <laughs> assuming he will be, but it's not locked up yet. So it's just an interesting dynamic with the quarterback situation a bit unsettled as we speak, and now the quarterback's coach moving on. Yeah. So a little different. All right, let's take two. Well, Potentially interesting coordinator situation developing uh, in Washington because Eric Biennemi interviewed today for the same position, the offensive coordinator position with the Washington Commanders. Why on God's green earth would he even consider that? Unless he's being offered quadruple what he's making, why would you want to go work for the Snyder's and the Washington Commanders when you are with the Super Bowl champion uh, Kansas City Chiefs? Andy Reid, by all accounts, is just a prince among men. The ownership group—I mean that—that that move would make zero sense to me. Totally agree.
0: Yeah, that's the first thing I, th- I thought. Yeah, first of all it's kind of a clown franchise you yeah. do have Ron Rivera there and maybe they he's not enough for me to, <laughs> to leave where he's at I'm trying to remember Biennemi. he played for the Chiefs but um, I wonder if they have crossed paths before but uh, yeah I don't, I don't see why he would do that unless it was like like you said for either a, a ton of money or you know which I would think if you're Kansas City and he comes in and asks for a raise you just go okay
1: yes yeah yeah okay yeah what do you need Yeah, what? How how much you want? Yeah, yeah. That's not a very good negotiation. That's not even a lateral. People going, it's a lateral move. It's like that's not. That's to me taking a step down. Step down. I mean, why? What he does behind the scenes we know how much of an impact he truly has. I don't know. I don't. I I, I get what Mike's saying, and I've I've read that in other places. I just I think he gets a lot of attention. I don't think anybody's thinking. Oh, he's just an Andy Reid puppet doing what he says. It's that's not really him. A well, former UW head coach, Jimmy Lake, has been hired by the Rams. Now, the position title is still to be determined, but uh, people theorizing it's going to be the defensive backs coach because the Rams did lose that coach to the Panthers earlier this off season. Well, hopefully, it goes better for him than it did as the head coach for UW because that that didn't work out very well at all. So we'll see what he does at the. At the pro level, but uh, well, now we got to root against him. He's in the division. Yeah, so I, I liked listening to Jimmy Lake. I, I
0: thought I thought he was really smart guy, good coach, but made Cook fans mad. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did do that. So, but we'll be rooting against him. Sorry, Jimmy, because uh, now he's the Rams' defensive back coach. He's got some some good ones there, Jalen Ramsey to
1: work with. All right, Take twos brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, Robbie Ray talks about the home run that defined the, this postseason, and we'll hear about that and the, uh, the offseason. What's he been up to? We'll hear about it all. Coming up, it's Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports App. We continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports Station, on 710. You guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, a lot of people feeling like uh, Eric Bien-Me lives in the shadow of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I feel like he gets a lot of credit. I feel like he gets—he is a massive storyline every off season, and there's a lot of outrage. Why is he not getting a job? Why is he not getting a job? That. If he's living under the shadow, it, you're not getting that much conversation about that particular individual. So I, I'm just—I guess—I'm relying on the insiders to know exactly what it is he does well and does not do well.
0: Well, there's definitely a reason why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job, but I think people go to the most basic, you know, thing that they could possibly imagine. So, and I'm—you I'm, know—I just think that there's been enough, you know. Look, I don't know. Okay, obviously, but I'm speculating that I had a really good coach in Tom Catlin. We were talking about, I've told this story before. He knew that he wasn't a head coach, didn't really want to be a head coach, and actually got offered uh, to interview for a head coaching job. He turned it down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I think maybe he's happy there, as you said. You can pay your coaches as much as you you, you want. Maybe he gets paid really well there in Kansas City. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if uh, maybe he rubs people the wrong way. Maybe he's not super polished in these interviews. You know, maybe he sounds too much like a 1980s, you know, Joe Sellers type of coach. Joe Sellers, yeah. the uh, head coach of the state champion Worcester Colts. Bob, I'm sure all
1: those on the inside know. Who I'm he sure is. everybody knows who that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's lots of reasons uh but that could go into you know why he hasn't but you know he's he's interviewed a number of times and hasn't gotten them. so he's gotten the opportunity he just hasn't gotten the job
1: yeah and i would assume if he's taking all these interviews he does want to be a head coach i don't know why he would go through that process of being you know being a storyline the way he has been for a number of off seasons now if he didn't have any interest in it yeah that's he, true he could stand up and go hey Guys, I appreciate yeah. you having my back. I don't this. I love what I'm doing. I don't have a desire to do anything else. Yeah.
0: Well, and that was the difference between him and Catlin. Catlin, he knew he didn't yeah. want to be, and maybe he doesn't. He, he, he really does want to be, but maybe he doesn't have,
1: you know, the organizational skills, things like that. Uh, switching back to baseball, though, uh, Robbie Ray out there, uh, pitchers, catchers reporting for spring training and position, some position players out there as well. Uh, but he was on with Brock and Salk talking about, few different things and here he is just discussing how he felt the, his season went with the Mariners last
2: year. Uh, you know, there were some really positive things and then some things that, you know, came to light that were, you know, I felt like I made some adjustments uh, and I felt like I did a really good a good job of making the in-game adjustments and making, you know, mid-season adjustments and really turning some things around obviously earlier in the year um, had some trouble, you know, it was like that one inning, it seemed like it always killed me and uh, I felt like you know as the 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 season went on, I was able to kind of limit that one inning and and kind of nail some things down and um but yeah, I think for overall you know it was kind of a year of you know just seeing how adaptable I was able to be, yeah he's. I mean, listen, Robbie's
1: got good stuff. He had some moments that weren't great, but he had some moments that were really great. So I I think it was an adjustment year. Obviously, we're all living with what happened in the postseason, which was not great with him. Um, But that's a a guy I've just got a level of faith in that he's going to get it figured out. And we'll see. We'll see what he looks like out there. But I think a year under his belt, seeing him in in that clubhouse after that game where he was just kind of sitting there going, and he was saying out loud, I don't want to take the uniform off. I don't want to take it off. I mean, that's a guy that we always talk about, guys, do they love playing the game? Do they love playing football, or is it just the job that they're good at? He's a guy who I just get that impression. He just loves being a baseball player.
0: Agreed, yeah. And, you know, we heard a story about him wanting to talk to the team and be one of a leader but also have the sort of wherewithal to know that I'm a pitcher, you know, the pitchers typically and apparently and I hadn't even thought of that. But apparently pitchers don't regularly get up and, you know, you have to have you have to have a lot of sway. And I think he, he does in that clubhouse just because, you know, where where he came from and just his level of intensity and, uh yeah, remember we we couldn't wait to see the tight pants. Well, tight pants are kind of I don't know I, I don't I don't I don't really want to see anybody in you tight pants. You couldn't wait to see him, no. But uh, the the grunting yeah. part of it that was the part. But uh, yeah, you know he puts everything into it. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, John Schneider says this all the time about football players. Some guys love being a football player, and some people love playing
1: football. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys that you're looking for. Uh, he did talk about, we talked about how things in the postseason did not go the way that anybody wanted to see them go, especially with Jordan Alvarez up at the plate in the ALDS. Here he is talking about giving up that shot.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, we had talked about leaning on the fastball, trying to run a, a two-seam up and in under his hands, and, you know, it, you know, it happens. Uh, you you miss your spot, and the game's over. You know, it's it's something that, you know, I'm not used to being in that situation obviously being a starter so it was it was a little tough for me to deal with and but i you know had a great group of guys around me that just helped me kind of process that and um but yeah i mean it's it, it gets magnified because it's playoffs but you know guys miss their spots guys hit walk-off homers all year and so like for me it was just like it was kind of eye-opening to see you know what a, a reliever what a c- closer kind of mm. has to go through on a day-in day-out basis yeah, he he got a taste of the the finality
1: of it as a, as a closer. He came out of the bullpen, which he's right. It's that that's not his role. He's a starter. You know, kudos to him for being a guy that steps up to the manager and says, "Hey, Skip, if you need me, I'm ready to go." Mm-hmm. And you know, Scott, to his credit or detriment, leaned on him, and it didn't work. He missed his spot, and Alvarez parked it. I mean, it just. It does happen, but he's. It, it is. It's interesting to hear that because you don't really consider that as a starter. Yeah, you give up home runs, and you're you're probably cursing yourself, or you know, I can't believe I missed my spot. But the game's not over. Mm-hmm. You're still in there. Yeah, you might be getting your tail kicked, but there's still opportunity to win that game. That the that's f- it. Finality. Yeah. Just that's yeah. just a different mentality. You 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 go in there. With as a reliever versus a starter, and it's just interesting to hear him bring that out when you you didn't really consider that.
0: Yeah, I never I never really thought about it either. And you know, the, you have to have a totally different mentality. And I, I would say, namely, you have to have a, a shorter memory when you are in the bullpen because yeah, you're the the game is on the line. <laughs> you know, he could give up something in the third or fourth inning that maybe ends up losing the game for him, but doesn't feel like that at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, in that moment I can correct it. I can come back. All right. right. Now I'm now I'm ticked. Now I'm t- now I'm focused. Now I'm dialing whatever. He's got a chance to sort of kind of make up for what just went wrong and in that scenario you got no chance. That's it. Your chance just left the park. Yeah. So, and oh boy, that that was such a meatball. <laughs> that was just such, he did miss his spot. He missed it over the heart of the plate. I mean, it was just right in that loop zone. Just crushed. It, it, that one hurt. That one hurt. But I wonder what Jordan Alvarez was
0: thinking when he saw that. Was he was he you think he was like a split second going no?
1: I think, I think they really? I think they zoomed in and there was a little drool coming out of his <laughs> mouth right there. He just started salivating as soon as he saw it. But, yeah, not a good pitch, and, and he did what big league players do. He, he crushed it. All right, this hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. Coming up, there's a potential under-the-radar need for the Seahawks in this draft. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob, live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I'm excited to talk to him. Dave, not so much, but uh, we'll talk to him at 3 o'clock. <laughs> and then uh, 4 o'clock, in case you're just tuning in, 4 o'clock will be the debut. The debut of the John Schneider Show, which is why we are down here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. So he will join us at 4 o'clock, as he will every single Thursday at 4 until the first day of the draft. So about 10 weeks with the Seahawks GM. Looking forward to that. And then John Morosi coming up at 5 o'clock today, which is always fun. He's, he's everybody's buddy. We he's love, the best. We love talking to John Morosi. So today, good stuff coming your way. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. Uh, meanwhile, we talked about we've talked a lot about the Seahawks draft. We had Ryan Wilson on from CBS Sports yesterday talking about he's got a new mock draft out there, and in it, he had him going defense with their number five overall pick in their twenty. They have pick number twenty as well in the first round. They've got four picks in the first fifty-three. In this draft, as we sit right now, but in in uh, that twenty slot, yeah, the Seahawks taking a wide receiver, and uh, here's how he explained that.
2: But when you look back to last season, 2021, he led that team in receptions more than. Garrett Wilson, more than Chris Olave, more than Marvin Harrison Jr. Garrett Wilson was on set with us last week, and he said Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best wide receiver of, of that group. Uh, I love the idea. Tyler Lockett's getting a little older. I mean, he's still a great player, but he's not going to play forever. And Smith and Jigba is something of a security blanket, if you will. So Smith yeah. and Jigba,
1: yeah, Ohio State, Ohio State receiver. yeah He was hurt last year, didn't play much. Uh, but just the idea that they would go receiver, and we we've already learned our lesson that, you know if it feels counterintuitive there's a good chance they could do it mm-hmm. uh but I would still be surprised like really you go receiver at twenty now he brought up Tyler getting older and well yeah we're all getting older every day but he's he's thirty he'll be thirty one in september so when the season starts he'll he'll be thirty one years old but tyler's he's he just seems a little different in that his game isn't so much built on this this overwhelming speed and as you get older, you lose that he's his is built on his savvy and his ability to, to sort of outthink, out be the better chess player out there. I just feel like he's just so his football IQ is off the charts. And there, you look at his numbers. There's no dip. There's nothing there that even represents the slightest of declines in his game. So yeah, you can say well he's getting older. Yeah, but there's there's nothing that indicates that physically or production wise to where you'd look at him and go, yeah, we're really anticipating a decline in what he does because I don't I don't think that applies to him in this particular setting. Yeah,
0: and he just perennially is overlooked by the entire league. I mean, you, well, he was only a, a Pro Bowler and All Pro once, and that was his rookie year. But yeah, he's only been in the league for eight years. Right, and it's the the one thing I'd say about his speed, though I think his field speed is pretty remarkably good. Mm -hmm. And he's also one of those guys, I remember it was like two or three years ago, he was like, I'll race anybody here. I'll I'll beat every single person on this team. And there were some some fast dudes at that time. But I just think it's his competition, you know, competitive nature. But like, kind of like Doug Baldwin, where it's not like, you know, Front line speed, you know, like vertical speed, it's more about quickness. Yeah. And it's more about the other thing is, you know, I think Doug was incredibly quick. You know, it just, if you ever watch like his workouts and his little stutter step thing that he would do it was just incredible. Just really fun to watch. But with Tyler, his movements are so subtle. And I think that's what gets defensive backs turned around, and if you go and look at, I like to look at the result rather than the route. Mm -hmm. If you look at the result of what Tyler runs typically you've got number 1 a db with his hips turned and he's running deep and i remember the uh, the post that he caught against indianapolis uh in 2021 that was the first game of the year where he just did a little subtle head nod and that guy turned his hips and was just flying towards the sidelines <laughs> and and tyler's heading right down the middle of the field towards the goal post and catches the touchdown so that that's his game. I don't think that goes away. I don't think it's something that all of a sudden you're going to go, "Oh man, he does You know, Steve Largent, I mean, at one point he he just hung him up because he'd played for such a long time, but he's similar. He yeah. really is, and that's what there's a picture upstairs of Steve Largent where uh, there's a, a DB from San Diego, the Chargers, that was just entirely lost because, right. you know, he was such a good route runner. So I think that's the good news. I, I don't think it's it, he's running out of speed. I don't think anybody at any point said Tyler Lockett is looking his age. Not at all. But, you know, um, you never know what the, what the Seahawks are going to do
1: if they see somebody that's really good. Um, then they may they may surprise us. Well, but the the other part of that could be just playing along with with Ryan Wilson's uh, mock draft here. You don't have a logical number three right now, and maybe maybe they look at at you know in Jigba or anybody else as all right. This is gonna be our third guy, and then when Tyler hangs it up or when he starts to show, you know, his age, this is a guy who slides into that spot. Maybe that's part of the game plan because you don't. I mean Marquise Goodwin is he your is he your third receiver? I mean he he showed mm-hmm. flashes but I think, what do you have 27 catches last year, 387 yards. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they feel about him or how how long he's a a potential there or maybe they want somebody who is young and cheaper that they could develop into being the new number 2 if if Tyler starts to show age in a year or two or three.
0: Yeah, and I I just don't see anybody else. That is sort of waiting in the wings.
1: Um, currently the on the roster, receivers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they were hoping it was Eskridge, right. but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to even.
0: It's funny that think about uh, that him and Tutu Atwell, yeah, uh, that was drafted either before or right after. Kind of, it was kind of like the the same thing with Jordan Brooks and Patrick Queen, where you know, we took one and the Rams took the other. He has not had success either. So maybe that draft class wasn't wasn't the greatest, but yeah, they don't have a clear number three. It just it just seems
1: so far down on the list, though. I mean, yet yeah, to use a first round pick on. I mean, but maybe they see a talent there. They're like, man, we we've, yeah. we've got this guy graded, you know, top ten talent. He's there at twenty. We got to take him. What was Tyler third rounder, second
2: rounder?
0: I know they moved they, up. They moved up. They moved up. He was one of the the few that I, I think that they've moved up to get, but. Yeah, if you look at – he was drafted in the third round, and I feel like that's kind of where maybe you could get somebody like that. (laughs) The first 55 picks or whatever it is, I feel like those need to be
1: big dudes. Yeah, I mean, DK was the end of the second round. Now, Mm -hmm. there were some injury concerns about – it wasn't about nobody thought he could play physically. It was just more about injury-wise, is this going to be a liability? Is this guy going to be able to get out on the field? You know, so you you understood that a bit, but yeah, I mean, you're you're two wide receivers. You get one at the end of the second round, and the other one in the third round, and you could argue they're one of the best, you know, tandems in the entire league at this point. So yeah, the idea of them spending a first round pick on a receiver when it's not the most certainly not the most pressing need right now, because you you'd be looking at it as your third receiver. So yeah, I I would opt for defense. I would say fill as many of those defensive holes as you can, and if it's for depth initially a linebacker, perhaps or whatever it is, fine. But just address what is most pressing and was most problematic last season, which was the defense. So we'll we'll see we'll see if uh, Ryan Wilson's got some insight there. Maybe maybe that kid's hanging out and John and Pico. We love them. We love them. We can. Can't afford to. From process. Ohio State. Yeah. Well, receivers. Receivers are okay. Joey not Galloway was at Ohio State receiver.
0: That's right. So we're gonna so. talk
2: to their play by play guy tomorrow. Well not you. Well oh, sweet. But uh, we will. Oh. We can ask him about it.
1: Darn it. Yeah. Well I'll Darn. leave a list of questions. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Dave's out tomorrow. Ryan Roland Smith will be in. So we'll, Ryan will get all the. He's ducking me, man. He doesn't want to work with you. He's I see just, that. He's uh, intimidated by you. You hurt his feelings. I don't know what happened.
0: You know called him happened. a better looking, younger, better looking version. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's re- why he wants to work with me. I had a really hard time arguing with that, Bob. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He is not. (laughs) Uh, All right, coming up, we'll get get some more draft and uh, free agent insight from our guy, Paul Moyer. He's going to join us next year as we continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It is Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.